0: I am Emily Lyons. In 2009, without a high school degree and no money to my name, I decided to start my own business. But since then, I've built several multi-million-dollar companies and I don't plan on stopping. Being a businesswoman, CEO, serial entrepreneur, survivor, and general life enthusiast, I'm endlessly jazzed by the business of life, especially the stories of extraordinary people I've had the privilege to meet along my own improbable journey to success. I don't think it's fair to keep that privilege to myself, and I think you deserve to be lifted and shifted by these people too. After all, all inspiring people are inspired people. So get ready to be inspired. This is Mind Your Business. Oh, I'm so excited that you could join me today because you have an incredible story. So Michael, welcome.
1: Emily, so pumped to be here. You likewise have an incredible story. So our stories have intersected and I'm so glad and I love how you show up in the world. Can't wait to connect.
0: Uh, Thank you. So now for those who don't know you, how would you describe Michael Zeller in your own
1: words? Some friends have called me a Renaissance man. Others have called me crazy. But at the end of the day, I consider myself a business architect and entrepreneur mentor. And I just love, you know, my obsession is to unleash people's God-given potential and help people find their deepest area of genius from all walks of life, no matter race, ethnicity, et cetera. I believe we all have inherent divine potential that needs to be unlocked. And so I love to go deep into the subconscious wiring and belief barriers and stories of limitation, but also then unpack their genius. And I think there's clues. Our lives are littered with clues. But most of us have never organized and synthesized our clues in a way that helps the patterns pop like popcorn. So that's kind of what I like to do.
0: Wow. How did your path lead you to this?
1: Good question. So I've always been obsessed with human performance. And in college, one of my clues, I think your genius shows up in four main quadrants. Your unique talents is the first. Your key relationships is the second. The relationships that bring you life versus death and your natural clusters of relationships or your pockets of relationships. And then third area is your defining life experiences. Like I know you've had some of those with your family, with not getting a high school degree and all these things and the moments of breakthroughs, the moments of breakdowns. And then the fourth thing is your values and passions. What are you insatiably be curious about? What are your values? What do you stand for? What will you die on, right? So you collect the data. And I collected the data. I started looking back. You know, Steve Jobs said you can connect the dots by looking backwards, not forwards. Well, I think if you look backwards, you can see the clues for the dots coming down the future pipeline. And so I looked back. I was like, hey, where did I feel most alive in college, 19 and 20 I went to conferences, one right before my first semester in college, second in the middle of finals week. And I was like, wow, I'm so excited. I learned more in those one-day conferences than I learned all semester. And I felt more alive. And I was like, man, I'm born to this personal development world really stoked some flames. And then I started 16 businesses along the way. I made a lot of mistakes, like millions of dollars in mistakes, but also made a lot of right decisions. And certain things went really well and made over 100 million in sales. And I realized why, when things work out really well, what did I do? And then when things fall to crap, what did I do? And why did it fall out of place? And success and failure leave clues. And so I started looking at the patterns and personality tests showed me a lot. And then I started like seeing, all right, I love mentoring. I started getting asked to mentor and coach. And now I've mentored 300 plus entrepreneurs from around the world and all continents except for Antarctica. I have not had a client from Antarctica yet, but do
0: All right, well, if you're listening and you're from Antarctica, (laughs) reach out to (laughs) us. So you lost millions of dollars, just kind of skipped over that one. How did that happen?
1: Before the real hit, but the biggest hit was in 2018. I was two months away from getting married. My cash cow business, which I was working like five to 10 hours a weekend, I kind of had that on autopilot, disintegrates two months before getting married. And I was like, I literally had enough cash. Barely enough cash to pay for our wedding. And we had a wedding in Nashville, a wedding in Florence, Italy. And then I was like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'll have to figure it out. And we had already rented our house in Nashville and we were going to be in Europe for a little over four weeks. And literally while we were there, as my cash cow business disintegrated, I also had a real estate property. The only one of 12 or 13 properties I've owned that I lost money in and I lost 250 grand in. And it was a pretty significant hit to my bottom line. And so those two things were snowballing. Plus my marketing agency, I didn't have the right profit model and business model. And then I lost a key team member and and that started suffering as well. The only thing that was working was my coaching and mentoring by the time I was married. And I knew that I needed to step into that more and more, but it wasn't quite mature enough to really... Take care of my bills and my lifestyle and my expenses and my payroll and so literally on our honeymoon my wife and i are going from hotel room to hotel room book one for two or three days and i'm like which bank account will have enough money that we can eat on and we can live on for the next couple of days once we got wow. past it was brutal <laughs> and my wife was a trooper that was the reset season the great reset 2018-2019 but Napoleon Hill, what gave me hope, you know, think and grow rich behind every setback is the seed of an equal or greater setup. Mm -hmm. And I saw that to be true. And I knew that would be true. And I knew this was going to be part of my epic story. And I even had one of my former business partners, Nate, he said to me, Mike, you know, when I confessed all the things that were going on in my life, he was a groomsman as well. He's like, Mike, you know what? God's letting you go through this because you're meant to be a king and you're going to help other people avoid these sorts of mistakes. And you just have to bite the bullet and eat the poisonous mushroom right now and live to tell the story on the end and help others avoid it in the future. So that's what I get to do right now.
0: Oh, wow. What a story. Was there a point where you thought maybe entrepreneurship's not for me?
1: Was there a point or points? (laughs) There was lots of points. you know, I was in those deep reflections and certainly I started thinking, I was like, you know, I remember reading this book, Illusions of Entrepreneurship and something like 83% of entrepreneurs would have made more money being in a job. And I was like, you know what? I can probably get a half a million dollar a year salary as a exec or something like that at a company get some stock options, have a nice predictable path. But at the end of the day, my gut and my heart, it didn't feel right. And I knew, I was like, you know what? Uh, so I also like, knew countless stories of others who had been through seasons like that and then remade themselves in a beautiful way. And certainly, you know, what took me 15 years to build the first round, I'll have built it back and then some in three years. And the next, you know, I'm in the third year right now of rebuilding. I mean, this year is going to be insane. Last year was a terrific year. And I'm more on mission, more on point, more heartwarming stories of entrepreneurs and leaders' lives that I've touched now. And I know it's only going to 10x over the next few years. And my ego is like, you know, (laughs) a little bit more, right? Yeah. You go to some shitty times, your ego says, all right, you're not as great as you think. You're fallible. You can make mistakes. But, you know, I had a season where I had 55 employees. We're doing 30 million a year. And I'm like, everything's up and to the right. And I can solve anything. More sales. I can create something new. But now I'm much smarter about my business partnerships, my collaborations, and now I have the whole Zone Genius process more dialed in. I truly found the very best businesses in the world. You can go to Apple at its peak. You can go to Tesla, other organizations. It's a well-designed team. The people are in the right place. Extraordinary results come from extraordinary people being in extraordinarily right positions. I have x-ray goggles. I can see how to design a team and a business and I get paid, you know, great money to do that. But also in my own ventures, I'm doing that more and more.
0: So did you completely dissolve those old companies, the marketing agency?
1: and? Yeah, I shut that down and ended up shutting that down in 2019. Real estate was dissolved in 2018. My car dealership, I actually sold my equity in that in 2017. Men's clothing line, sat down in 2018 as well.
0: What do you think was the cause of the majority of it?
1: A couple things. When I look at my, a lot of my business ventures, I didn't have the right operating partners. So if you look at Richard Branson, how intentional is he in finding the right operating partners? Like I'm really good at starting things. I'm really good at galvanizing, and driving things forward. Mm-hmm. But I thought I was good at finding operating partners, but ultimately I was not as good as I needed to be. And I found people that were too close to me, like too equivalent instead of opposite or complementary. So that was a big piece. Also, like my men's clothing line, I realized I didn't have the right irresistible offer. I had leaned too much into like this denim shirt is one of the ones, it's basically a $200 shirt, but a profit model was stuck with high-end t-shirts I would have actually done really well. And also, I was like, you know, I realized one of my mentors at the time, now I'm consulting him, ironically, is Peter Diamandis. Peter Diamandis is considered the world's greatest expert in exponential technologies. And so I realized I was in, you know, versus BNN, AI, robotics, blockchain, human longevity, all these emerging fields. I was in real estate, automotive, fashion, you know, organizations or industries that have been around 120 years that are getting disrupted that are getting knocked out. I was like, you know what? I'm in a bunch of dinosaur industries. Do I want to spend the best years of my working life, the next 20 or 30 years, building things that are likely going to be disrupted or evaporate? Like you look at Kodak and other companies that have gotten wiped out, Mm -hmm. disrupted. Like I want to be on the front end of the waves of disruption, not on the back end surprised when the wave hits me on the side of the head.
0: I love that. I
1: was like, all right, I'm going to reset I have another 40 years to create and work if I want. Because if you look, you know, you're into stocks and crypto and things like that. You ride the right wave. You could be on the wrong vehicle, but riding the right wave and you're going to grow significantly. When I invested in stocks and options, if I was investing when oil stocks were really hot, or tech stocks were really hot, anything in tech, you know, like you hear all those companies that had a dot-com in the 1990s, just put a dot-com on there, they were worth Tens of millions of dollars, even though they didn't sell anything, didn't have any revenue model or anything. They were in the right industry, right wave.
0: Yeah. I love talking about failures. It's one of my favorite things because it's just so interesting when we study them, why they happened and then more so how people react to them. You know, like in your case, and a lot of true entrepreneurs, they excel. He uses them to fuel them forward and they come out even bigger and better and stronger. But unfortunately, the majority of people let it in their journey. They quit.
1: Yeah. I was going to add, yeah, it's like, man, during that season, I was like, you know what? I got to rewrite my money mindset. I got to rewrite everything. And so I would wake up. I went through about a year and a half where most mornings I would wake up with my arms tightly clenched around my body. Mm. Because I was anticipating, physically, I was anticipating the calls with the creditors, the calls with whatever, the people Mm -hmm. hammering me and the bills that I couldn't pay. Because I Mm -hmm. literally was... You know, used to, you know, I had 38 companies and individuals I owed at one point, and I just couldn't solve every problem. But I was like, you know what? What I can control, control the controls. I woke up every morning, meditated, read a money mindset book. I read 93 money mindset books in about three year time period. Wow.
0: That's and, incredible.
1: Because uh, I was like, I got to rewrite my identity.
0: I love that. What was your favorite book?
1: One of my favorites. Still, you are a badass at making money. I don't know if you've read oh, that.
0: Oh, really? One. No, but I did give yeah. it to my brother as a gift.
1: We liked it. Oh, so good. She's funny and witty. Then Science to get Rich, of course. Think and Grow Rich. Napoleon Hill's, his are great. But then also Norman Vincent Peale's, The Power of Positive Thinking. was. I've read that like five times. That was so helpful for me. Happy Pocketful of Money is another great one. Mm, uh, I heard that one. So I'm still reading a lot of them right now. I'm reading <laughs> Rob Moore's Money book right now. Oh, yeah, probably. yeah. It's a great one as well.
0: So now you teach people how to tap into their human genius, to their zone of human genius. What does that look like?
1: Yeah, it comes down to four quadrants. Unique talents, key relationships, defining life moments, and then values and passions. If you do a deep inventory, if you think about your life, for example, you've got clues spread out throughout your life stories, moments and time, heartbreaks, sadness, joy, ahas, divine whispers, and then also like things that succeeded really well and things that flopped. And the goal, what I've found is if I can get all the clues on one table, it's like you think of Jim Collins, good to great. What's he do when he's studying companies and seeing what the companies need to go from good to great? He gathers the data and he looks for patterns to merge. So if I do it on a personal level around when people work with me or go through my book or go through my course, man, like they have another guy that just signed up this week, 400 employees. Then I had another lady, she had 80,000 employees as CEO of a branch of the federal government. And she did the whole process, the Zone of Genius workbook I've created and went through the five personality tests. She shows up at 8 a.m. on that Sunday morning, her Zone of Genius day. She's like, Mike, you've already given me one of the biggest breakthroughs in my 34-year career. It's because the work that she did where she got the clues and was able to connect. And she's like, Mike, everything we do today is just icing on the cake. (laughs) I was like, that's what I love. Have you done some of the personality tests, Emily?
0: Actually, I did do one a while ago, but I don't remember what it was. A friend had me do it. (laughs) And
1: that's the usual response, frankly. Most people don't remember what they had. Yeah, And that's okay. All right, so I take people through the Wealth Dynamics test. That's one of my favorites. It's the only test that gives you a natural pathway for building wealth. And you as an entrepreneur, you'll get a 40-page report with breakdown of your strengths, your weaknesses, who you need beside you, who you need alongside of you, what to watch out for, where you're probably going to fail in leadership, where you're probably going to fail in communication, where you'll also succeed in communication and leadership. And then it'll also give you profiles of other people throughout history that have a similar profile like you. Like, if you're a star, it might be like Oprah Winfrey. If you're an accumulator, you're Warren Buffett. If you're a creator like I am, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Walt Disney. And then you go and study those people because you'll, like, I have read pretty much every creator that I know of, at least at this point, read as many of their biographies, watched their movies, et cetera, because I pick up on clues on how they built their business and why they screwed up and why they also succeeded. And so that gave me even encouragement of like, all right, Steve Jobs got kicked out of Apple. Henry Ford got kicked out of Ford Motor Company, or like he was bankrupt twice, you know, before age 43. Walt Disney was bankrupt, like all these other things. Elon Musk almost went bankrupt twice in 2019. Now he's the world's wealthiest man behind Vladimir Putin. So, you know, you find clues and then it gives you hope. So I do the Wealth Dynamics, the Colby Index, the Strings Finder, the Myers-Briggs, and the Disc Profile. And then Enneagram is a little bonus as well. But now they all measure something different. <laughs> now, literally, you'll have 200, 300 pages of info about how you're wired, you're gifting the things. And now, if you look at Socrates, what does Socrates say? Hey, to know thyself is the beginning of all wisdoms. King David, better have self-control than to conquer city. Another guy, D. Hawk, founder of Visa, as in Visa credit cards. I talked to him last year. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he's 98 years old at the time last year. And he's still alive. He emailed me back because he's written a bunch of different books. He wrote for Harvard Business Review. After he retired from Visa, you know what he started doing? He started studying the best leaders in the world. Hmm. And what he found is the very best leaders in the world did something that normal leaders did not do. And that was that they focus more than 50% of their leadership energy on leading themselves. Hmm. Massively different, right? We're always focused on leading others, leading up, leading down, leading this, leading that. But if I lead myself to put myself in exactly the right position, now I got a real chance to hum. Hmm.
0: What does leading yourself... I don't even know what that
1: means. So... Like in today's times, emotional connectedness, like emotional Mm -hmm. intelligence of like, Mm -hmm. why am I reacting this way? Or why do I want to react, castrate one of my employees or team members, (laughs) (laughs) carring and feathering, or why am I showing up and playing small here and not leading to my truth? Or if I'm dating or relationships, why do I accept less than I deserve? And why do I hide and play small? Or why do I manipulate or control or belittle? Or why do I dim my own light? You know, things like that. So emotional intelligence, relating to others. Like I can read people's emotions and what their motivations are now. So much easier because I collect the data and I just have x-ray vision because of all the studying on that. But then it's also like, all right, what is exactly my $1,000 or $10,000 an hour activity? What does my company or my business or my spouse most desperately need from me that I'm not giving? Like, for example, I went to a church service in Nashville and they had this great idea. Let's go across the street and serve the homeless shelter and feed them lunch and connect and serve and just do an act of service. So we all 200 something of us walk across the street. We're serving about 180 homeless people. And I was like, this is really boring. I want to make an impact, but I'm not really making an impact. I'm not desperately needed. (laughs) It's kind of not a huge impact from me personally to them. And I'm not using my gifts. Then I go to another church service around Christmas and they said, hey, we're looking for volunteers for the Christmas ministry. I'm like, I'm not freaking volunteering. I'm not going to be a warm body, especially when my time is worth a thousand bucks an hour, not because I don't like serving, but because I would just be a warm body. I wouldn't be desperately needed. People want to be needed. So I was like, you know what? I put on the comment card. I was like, hey, we'll donate a car to a single mother in need as part of your Christmas extravaganza because I had a car dealership at the time and that was part of our ethos. And we gave away 35, 36 cars to single mothers in need. And then they messaged me back on Monday like, hey, Mike, we love that. That would be amazing. So we donated a $10,000 minivan to a family and was one of the highlights of the whole Christmas season and changed a family's life Mm -hmm. forever. And so most American societies, we don't have public transportation. That's great, at least. Mm -hmm. So it changes someone's life. So you think of in your business, not like a lot of CEOs I work with and business owners, they feel like they got to do everything. They bootstrap their business all the way up. But you know what? That's not always where you're desperately needed. Like Jeff Bezos has a goal every day. It's to make two smart strategic decisions. That's it. He's not boxing up Amazon packages. He's not doing all these other things that we think we got to do as business owners. And sometimes we're stuck in a middle class mindset instead of an abundance mindset in how we lead our business. I think there's six core things a business owner needs to do if you're an owner versus operator. And so anyway, those are some of the things that we dive into is helping people find where you're desperately needed.
0: I love that. You talk a lot about the abundance mindset and just mindset in general and and how important it is for success. And it's not talked about, I mean, it's talked about more and more now, but especially in, in the areas that you're in, but in general, in business and in entrepreneurship and in courses and things like that, I mean, for me, I was never exposed to it until recent years and just on my own accord, which is interesting because I really wish I was because I was operated from the scarcity mindset for many, many years with everything that I did within the business. But for those that are familiar, you know, like what is the abundance mindset? How does that affect what you do? And how do you tap into that? do you just cultivate a really great mindset.
1: First part is when you're alter ego, when you're weak, I call it your weak ass identity. <laughs> and... When that part of you raises and screams its ugly head and says, hey, like, my weak-ass identity is weak-ass Willie. When (laughs) weak-ass Willie shows up, he's like, Mike, hide, play small, be safe, don't screw up, right? Remember, you screwed up over there. Don't do it again. Brought yourself shame, embarrassment, and all that. Weak-ass Willie wants to tuck his tail between his legs and play small, right? So now weak-ass Willie also has a good intent. Like, you probably have an alter ego that comes from some of your trauma, some of the things you've been through, some of the heartaches, some of the challenges, some of the mistakes, even, you know, not graduating high school, whatever, those type things, right? And you wouldn't be where you are if you haven't mastered at least certain healthy <laughs> elements of it, right? So first part is to think that part of yourself. It has a good intent, and it will keep screaming at you if you don't think it and let it feel heard, understood, and appreciated. Sure. So like, I on the subconscious level. So I have a meditation I call Claim Your Power, and I have it on my YouTube channel as well for free. But what happens is in the deep meditation, you go to that spot, go to that old story or that fear or that trauma, and think that part of you and give it a name. So then you can call it out. You can say, all right, I see you. I hear you. What is your intent? Oh, you don't want me to screw up. Okay, I got you. I got you. I hear you. All right. But guess what? Magic Mike or Electric Emily is here, or whatever, you know, your powerful alter ego. She's going to lead the way, or he's going to lead the way. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when you get anchored to that, like I created Magic Mike because I had a client in 2019 also say, Mike, you're creating magic in my lives. You are Magic Mike. She's Asian. So she had a little cute Asian accent. (laughs) So I was like, you know what? That's my alter ego. That's my powerful alter ego that is going to help create magic in people's lives as well as in my own life. And so I I would wake up every day. And I've done it for almost two years now. I am Magic Mike. I'm a powerful force for good. I am a wealth magnet. I am amazing, loving, doting father and uncle. And I am XYZ, you know, just declare about two minutes worth of things that reflect who I want to be. And that was also part of what I had to do during that season of breakdown is remake myself in a more powerful version. And so I talk about your identity precedes your destiny. And it's why, like, 74% of lottery winners, what happens when they make their millions of dollars in the lottery? They go bankrupt literally three and a half years later, 74%. Their identity did not suffice. It was not able to withstand. It didn't feel safe. Your identity is also when I tap into, when I let weak-ass Willie go and say, hey, weak-ass Willie, you're not driving the car anymore. Magic Mike's driving my life. Here's the keys, Magic Mike, take the road. Or Hollywood Mike Z is my other alter ego. <laughs> Hollywood Mike Z, you're driving the car these days. And we guess, Will, you're in the back seat. And then let that part of me lead. And guess what? I act differently. I think differently. I walk, talk, move differently. Why'd Kobe Bryant have Black Mamba? Why's Beyonce have Sasha Fierce?
0: Mm-hmm. When she's
1: on stage, she's yes. on Sasha Fierce. Because the untapped potential is our imagination. You know, Einstein, he was fascinated with imagination. He thought it was one of the greatest wonders of the world. And he solved the largest physics challenges of his day, not by experiments, but by imagination and thinking and creating little thought experiments in his head.
0: Hmm, That's incredible. So as I started to look into these things, like you're talking about affirmations and all of these things and the importance of mindset, for me, I need like hard data to support it i need Mm -hmm. to see because i think we all read the secret years and years ago when it first came out but it just seems wishy-washy to me i was like over the years i've read a lot of studies that actually show the effects and how you know like affirmations primes your brain for success and activates the prefrontal cortex and all of those things which i find mind-blowing i mean a lot of people still don't know that when I talk about it, you know, over the weekend, I was speaking to a university and I was talking about it a bit and they were surprised about it and they were asking all of these questions, but it's just not something that is known or implemented. And so I love that that is a part, a big part of what you teach people.
1: Yeah. well, it taps into the power of quantum physics. Quantum physics, like, you know, I remember I was 20 years old. I'm 42 now. I was in college. I stumbled in a library and I read this physics journal for some reason. I don't know why. something about quantum physics or whatever. And they were literally doing tests. And this is 22 years ago. They were doing tests on atoms, moving like atoms and electrons and protons from one superpowered microscope in New York to another one in San Francisco in a blink of an eye. And the physicist, and this is like a academic physics journal, you know, the hardcore data, mm-hmm. they were tracking. And when the guy in New York said, hey, in his mind, didn't verbally say it, would decide, I'm going to send that electron to this microscope in San Francisco, it would pop up instantaneously. What? And then the guy would send it back instantaneously. And I don't understand it all. But you look at quantum physics and how the bending of reality and the bending of you know, time doesn't really exist and all these other things. I don't understand it, but I know. And then you look at the great metaphysical teachers from Jesus. What did Jesus say? If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And you look at the Secret. You look at Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich and all these other guys. And you look at Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Ten years ago, we all thought he was crazy. I'm going to take people to Mars.
0: You want to put a and microchip he's... in people's brains? <laughs> yeah, he's going to do it. And of self-driving cars. We're like, no, yes. it's
1: not possible. It starts with your imagination and your mind. It's a freaking superpower of connectivity. And the science actually backs it up. And as we are able to tap into different dimensions of measurement, now we're starting to see that it actually is true. There's so much to unpack, and that I need to learn so much more myself.
0: Did you ever see Jim Carrey talk about it?
1: The $10 million check and all that? Yeah, he wrote it
0: to yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy.
0: Mm-hmm. Folded it up. Where do you tell people to start that aren't working on their mindset?
1: I think the thing that helped me when I was 19 and I went to my first conference, 18 actually, is when the speaker said, hey, read 30 minutes a day. Hmm. Read 30 minutes a day. If you do that, you'll read at least a book a month. And now another guy, Brian Tracy, said, hey, if you read a book a month in your chosen field, you'll become an expert within three years, which means 36 books. I was like, I don't want to wait three years to become an expert. So I was like, I'm 20 years old this time. And I'm like, I'm going to freaking read a book a week. And I got speed reading and all that. But it's like, because what happens is if you become an expert, a bona fide expert, top 1% expert, you get paid disproportionately more. Hmm. Impact is just disproportionate. Your joy is a lot higher. I don't want to be average. I want to be extraordinary. And so if that's 36 bucks, that's, that's attainable. Even audio, even if you need to study and take notes and pursue mastery, we all can become masters and masters of our own destiny, masters of our craft. So I think the learning and is the most affordable, cheapest thing is to read a book or listen to a book. I think that's where I would start.
0: I like to use time that would normally be wasted to read a book every day. So yeah. walking the dog, driving to the grocery store, I put on an audio book everywhere I can. And I think that's where a lot of people, when they say they don't have time, is because they're not capitalizing on any of the free time or the wasted time that they have. When I'm in the shower, I've got a podcast playing outside the shower. I hear when I'm doing that, you know, when I'm doing my makeup, I've got something playing. So then I'm constantly consuming knowledge or something that is helping push me forward.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, Brian Tracy, the old days, you know, I had CD players and cassette decks <laughs> in our car. But you can say, make your car a university on wheels. If you're driving an hour a day, that's an hour a day of learning. And you look at today's day and age, the future favors the learners. If I can become a master, how quickly things change. Ray Kurzweil says the next 100 years are going to bring about 20,000 years of technological change. The next 10 years, 100 years of change. That means i got to be adept. Like not just Mm -hmm. average, not just willing to change, but i got to be adept at change navigating new things, learning new things and repositioning myself. Like how many times have you and I changed our careers and started new ventures and tried out this offer and tried out that versus our parents probably did the same. My dad did the same thing for like 35 years. My mom, same mm-hmm. thing.
0: Same with my parents. Same with my parents. The way, yeah, that the world is, I think we should constantly be trying new things and getting better in every aspect that we can because like you said, or we're going to be left behind. Yeah. I feel the exact same way. I don't want to be average.
1: Exactly. And then putting ourselves in proximity. Like, you know, when people listen to you on Clubhouse or listen to your podcast or join Lion's Den, or when you put yourself in like other high level masterminds or connection, collaboration, you know, one of the great gifts you have of interviewing people is like, man, you're learning. You got designated I learning time, know.
0: right? <laughs> no. And that's what I've always done with the podcast is I've always invited people on for the most part that I find interesting, you know, that yeah. I want to ask them questions. So whether they're an expert in some sort of field or, you know, even like a dermatologist because I had skin questions. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: right. But that's the great thing. Yeah, That's why I think really everybody should have a podcast. There's just so many benefits to it and it's just fun. Yeah,
1: you know, yeah, great. exactly. And then if you can position, you know, I think I look at one of my core questions I ask a lot of my VIP clients, but also my mastermind members is like, all right, what does my environment need to look like for my success to be an inevitable? That it's just gonna happen automatically. So I look at the factors, all right? Like I need to be continually learning. I need to be asking myself the right questions. I need to have the right business partners or collaborators. I need to put myself in the right position, have a great tribe that keeps challenging me and lifting me up and doing those things. Because if we're all products of our environment, so therefore, if I'm a product of my environment, then I want to be a designer of that environment. We all can be conscious and designing that. Where do I want to go? And what do I need to do? What's my reverse engineer of the environment that will produce that outcome? It's like a farmer. Farmer says, hey, I want to grow corn. Well, what do you got to do to grow corn? X, Y, Z, clear the land, make sure it has good sun, soil, fertilizer, whatever, Mm -hmm. and plant. I love
0: that. You know, back, we'll talk about this in another capacity, but back in 2011, when my sister passed away and I just completely fell apart, you know, like I couldn't, function and my life just spiraled down. Everything was bad. I was drinking so bad. And when I looked back, it was because of the life I had set up. The people that were around me were bad influences. They drank a lot. That was where they did. And the places that I put myself and what I was doing in my spare time, all of those things set me up to go down, downwards into that spiral, where as my mom got really sick a year and a half ago and, and passed away, yes, it was unbelievably hard and it still is. But I had designed a life that was so much better to look me up with so many good people around me and a job that I loved and, you know, a practice of things where I just took care of myself in every capacity that it just completely changed. And as I looked back and I thought, why was this time? How did I make it through? And that was why, because I had designed this life that was set up to carry me forward. And so I really, truly believe it, that we have to be very conscious of setting up our life so that it makes success easy. Even things yeah. as simple as like where you're working from. What does your office look like? You know, yeah. set it up so that it's easy for you to get up and just create great work.
1: I'm curious, how did you heal through those traumas, loss of your sister and your mom? And then what's left on the healing side? I'm just getting more acquainted with trauma. My wife actively battles postpartum depression but also battled depression beforehand. So like, you know, I'm designing out an environment for her to heal. We're doing somatic psychotherapy. We're doing the chemical side, which is NAD plus, a brain nutrient that helps boost out of depression. You know, so we're doing mobile IV injections, then brainwave technology, and then also environment, making sure she protects her mind around news cycles and all those things and energy work as well. But I'm curious, what did you do during that journey? Because that's just part of the self-awareness and leadership side as well, you know?
0: hmm When my sister passed away, it was, like I said, very, very difficult to get out of it. So I did not cope in the proper way by any means. I mean, I was in a bad relationship already and I used alcohol and going out and trying to mask it instead of actually sitting down and addressing it and healing from it. But this time I had really great support around me, immediately started getting counseling. And like even this morning, I was crying about it, missing my mom. I cry often, but I talk to her often. I don't run from it. I don't drink. I don't allow myself mm-hmm. to have crutches. The best thing I do is live a really healthy lifestyle. Really yeah. and truly getting up and doing yoga and working out because it helps to get that negative emotion out of you. It helps to get that anxiety out of everything. Yeah. But just embracing it and always trying to focus on the good, you know, yeah. naturally always looking. And My brother, he had trouble after the fact because he has cystic fibrosis as well as my sister did. And my mom was his caretaker and they were very, very close. And so afterwards for months, he was stuck in this negative, like, why does bad things always happen to our family? I hate my life. I hate this. And so I had him just start a simple gratitude journal every single day. I said, I want you to list Mm. at least five things that you're grateful for. And I want you to tell me them at the end of the week. And simple, simple shift, massive change. Couldn't believe the effect it had on him because it was just like, you know, he started listing all these things and he started reading about them. And he said, Do you know that I'm, you know, we're better off than 99% of the population on earth. Like we have more than 99. And like, like, I know Chris, you're very lucky because before his mind was focused on, I have cystic fibrosis. I have a terminal disease. My mom died, my sister died. This that blah blah blah. Now he's focused on this is what I do have, you know, this and that because he was just naturally looking at all of the good things, and so that where his where his energy was flowing. It was like I have a sister who loves me, who does so much for me. I have friends. I have family. I have savings. I have a roof over my head. I have opportunities, and so yeah, but trauma is trauma, and there's a lot of really great books out there. I'll send you some. I can't remember the one. The trauma keeps score. Is it called?
1: Body keeps the score.
0: Body keeps score. Yeah, that's a really great one.
1: Yeah. yeah, I've got that. I have yet to read it. But since you brought it up, i got to add that to towards the top of the reading queue. All yeah. right.
0: Well, where can we find more information about you?
1: Well, if you're in Canada or the U.S., you can get my free six-step guide to finding your genius and the genius within. And it's the most complete process you will ever find for finding your genius. And you can just text the number 474747 or 474747 text the word genius you and the letter u genius u to 474747 or instagram facebook youtube linkedin twitter tiktok even i'm all under the name the mike zeller and then my book you can also get for free at geniuswithinbook.com or on amazon and wherever else books are sold so geniuswithinbook.com that's pretty much it that's where where i hang out these days at amazing. zeller.com
0: amazing yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This was a fantastic chat and you are just a, such a wealth of knowledge and it was fantastic. So many great nuggets.
1: Well, likewise, Emily, thanks for having me on and doing me that honor as well. And it's such a pleasure connecting with you and keep showing up in a beautiful way. You inspire us all.
0: Oh, thank you. I'm looking forward to our future collaboration.
1: <laughs> likewise.